You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. We call it slicking the bean, choking the chicken, giving yourself a hand, auditioning finger puppets. There's a million and one names for the old five-finger shuffle, and yet hundreds of millions of people are unable to sauce the taco due to disability, aging, or illness. That's where we come in, if you'll pardon the phrase. At Bumpin', we've created the world's first accessible sex toy, so people with limited mobility, hand issues, and disabilities can celebrate Palm Sunday just like everyone else. If you agree that everyone deserves sexual pleasure, help us spread the self-love and fund an orgasm for those in need. Give the gift of the big O at getbumpin.com. That's G-E-T-B-U-M-P-N dot com. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Hello! I am your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get today started, shall we? What do I want to tell you about before we start the show? Um, I want to say I've been thinking about 
taking one of the theories that we do on this show and one of the theories that I like doing on the show, the Great Flicks and Joysticks, where we review review disability-themed media and turning that into its own podcast. I haven't produced it yet. I haven't made any anything about it, but I am really thinking about it. I put it on social media the other day. That's something that I really want to do is to make a show that only looks at, at media and only talks about movies, and I can invite my disabled friends and some guests you heard on this show to sit down with me and talk about movies together. So that, that's something that I'm, I'm working on for the new year and something I'm excited to put out eventually, but I'm really, really excited about it because it's a different, it's a whole different vibe than this show. I love this show and I love Disability After Dark, but I want to do something completely different and that's a cool way to bring stuff into that and do a different kind of show. So haven't produced it yet. You're still going to hear episodes of Great Flicks and Joysticks here, but we'll, we'll see what goes with Popcorn and Power Chairs. I think it's a really cool thing. And actually, my friend Anthony McAuliffe, who recently passed away, and I were banding about that name for a show years ago. And I just, I, I want to do it in part to honor him and to honor what he does. But I really wanted, I want to do a show that talks about media and talks about, um, Disability, and I think Popcorn and Power Jazz is a great way to do that, so stay tuned for that. I have no idea when it's happening, but it's something I'm going to put out eventually, so get ready. But now, let's talk about who's going to be on the show today. Oh yeah, wait, before I do that, actually, wait, wait. Before I do that, uh, if you want to support the show or donate to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com. Slash Disability After Dark and pledging as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month or more uh, if you want. Or there's a yearly amount if that works for your budget. If you want to pledge once a year and support the show, you can do that. And for your pledge, you'll get a cool, awkward, probably more awkward shout out on the air to say thank you for your pledge. So if you want to do that, you can go to again, patreon.com slash disability after dark. And not only does that help the show, it also helps me as an independent creator with disabilities do the things. And sometimes it helps me buy groceries and I really appreciate that. So if you want to support the show in that way and support me and what I do, I would appreciate that. But no pressure. If you can't support us with a pledge, you can also support us with a five star review wherever you're listening right now. So, um, Get comfy, cozy, and crippled and leave us a review if you want to. That'd be cool. But again, no pressure. And if you can't do those two things, you can also tell your friends that this show is the best. So, cool. Just that little reminder. And now, let's get to the show today. One of my most favorite things to do on this show is to talk to the next generation of disabled youth and see kind of where they are and see kind of where they are sitting and how they feel about being disabled and, you know, their plans for a disabled tomorrow and that kind of stuff. And I got to do that today with my friend Derek Schmitz, who is a disabled activist that I follow on Twitter and who follows me. They are only 18. They use they, them pronouns and they have CP, the best of the palsies, of course. And we talk about a lot in this episode. We talk about their push to do activism, their work as an author. We talk about queerness and disability. We talk about how COVID is, is, um, and the COVID policies around COVID, 
um, in the U.S. are an abject policy failure for disabled folks. Um, we talk about so much here, but I loved sitting down with such a young, passionate person talking about disability, queerness, our use of they-them pronouns, and their connection to disability. So many things we talk about here. And we recorded this episode, and originally we recorded an and a version of this last year, but I, living on Crip Time, never put it out. And I, I just said to Derek, do you want to do this again? Can we record again? So this is the second version of this. And I listened to the first half an hour back just now. And Derek is such a cool, cool person. Such a cool, young, disabled person that I'm so excited to, that I got to speak to. Someone who's going to change the world around disability and is striving to do that. And I'm so excited for you to hear my interview with them. So without further ado, here's my interview with my friend, Derek Schmitz, right here on Disability After Dark. Derek Schmitz, hello. Hey. Hey, thank you so much for coming back on the show. And for those of you who are like, I haven't heard them before. Why? What do you mean back on the show? We recorded one of these like maybe... Want to say seven or eight months ago, and then Andrew <laughs> just never released it. So I was like, "Let's just do it again." So here I think are. it was closer to a year ago, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, it was about a year ago, and then I and, then, and I have all you, all of you listening know that I've now moved to a two week schedule, and I'm now like I still do the show, but I do it more on like trip time because trying to produce a show once a week was a lot. So. I said to Derek, "You people haven't heard you yet. Let's let's do it again. Let's do a more current episode." So here we are, the middle of December. As you're listening to this, we're recording it like the middle of November, but you'll hear it the middle of December. Hey, uh, and um, <laughs> here we are. So, Derek Schmitz, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And you're awesome, and I've looked up to you for like, oh, like. A while now, like I fan personed when you followed me on Twitter, so it's oh, really well, thank cool. you. It's really you're cool quite, to be recording again. You're quite the activist. You're quite the like. You're quite the. You, you're something that I also look up to. So it's not we're all, we're doing the same thing here. They're like, wow, cool. Um, <laughs> so yeah. First off, just just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, so as you mentioned, my name is Derek Smith. I am nearly 18 years old. That's <laughs> that's cool to say. Um, I use they, them pronouns, and I am a student, accessibility consultant, and author and advocate. So basically, I do a lot. I wear a lot of hats. Um, and yeah, um, I do a lot of advocacy for queer stuff and disability stuff and the whole intersection of all that. Um, and basically my philosophy is I want to create a world where disability and queerness are accepted and not just tolerated, but loved. And, um, I want a world where we're accommodated in the way that we need to be and respected. And so I wake up every day and that is my mission. (laughs) That's my goal. And that's what I try to do. Wow, you sound like me, but I, not when I was 18. When I was 18, I was like, I want to meet boys and go hang out and do things. You sound like <laughs> me when I was like 
28 and I was like, oh, I need a job. I guess I, I guess I could talk about being queer and disabled. I guess that's my job now. But like, that's, it's cool that you're <laughs> so young and you, this is something you want to, want to do. And this is something that, that brings you joy. That's really awesome. Yeah. And it really does bring me joy. It, it's tricky at times. And I know you know this because you have extensively posted about how it's tricky to be a disability advocate and, you don't want to feel like you're stepping on the toes of people when it comes to saying things, but like at the same time, Oh man, need... it's so hard. Oh yeah. man, I have so many, many people like this is quite difficult. Private quote tweets are my worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really cool that I can wake up and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing today to try to make the world a better place. And this is how this is how I'm going to do that. And it's really setting me up for the future, which I'm really excited about. I just got accepted into community college for next year. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Yeah, I am going in to become a paralegal, which is something I've wanted to do for a while. Um, Uh, You sound just like me when I was 18. I wanted to be, I'm not a paralegal, but I wanted to be a lawyer. So I wanted to do like the law and order deal is what I wanted to do. And then I was very quickly like, oh, Law is hard. I don't want to do that. I'll do activism. Yeah, my biggest career goal is to become a disabled disability lawyer. Um, and find, I have like, some friends. I have some yeah. friends who connect with that. I, I, I'm thinking of my friend Ashley B. Jacobson, who's in <gasps> somewhere in the states. Have you talked with her yet? I have not, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> I will connect you the minute we're done talking. I'll send an email. Be like, you should talk to each other because that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to walk into court and be like, Hey, I know the shitty situation you're in because I've been in it. So let's win this case for you. And yeah, that's my and biggest career Ashley, inspiration. You and Ashley should be, we, you, I will connect you the minute we're done because <laughs> that's the main thing. Should really talk to each other. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, she's she's really cool, and we I spoke to her. I think I released it this summer, but we actually talked last summer. And mm-hmm. she's doing really cool stuff around disability. That, and I'll I'll make sure to connect you. Um, but let's talk more about you for a second. Uh, yeah. Uh, so one of the questions I like to ask my guests when we start is, "What are your disabilities, and how do they play a role in your day to day life?" Yeah, so I have cerebral palsy, which I've had since I was born. Um, I was born prematurely, uh, so I had a lot of complications uh, with that, one of which being cerebral palsy that affects my right the side. Best so, of palsies, the best yes, of palsies. the best of the palsies. The best. Um, the best. Uh, but yeah, it affects my right side. Um, so I have my floppy arm, as I call it, that doesn't go all the way out. And um, I have some problems walking and um, things like that. I'm privileged enough to have access to um, orthopedic devices that help me walk and like not fall over. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the biggest one. But I also have some comorbidities um, along with that. More recently, I just got diagnosed with um uh, arthritis of my uh, sacroiliac joint and my right hip. So that's fun. My body is trying to eat itself away. <laughs> uh, luckily, cool. I'm. <laughs> yeah. 
it's really cool, although it really sucks and it hurts. <laughs> um, but luckily, I'm on meds that can like mitigate the damage, which is really cool that we have the medical technology to do that. And I'm privileged enough to not have to pay the twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars every month it would cost. <laughs> oh, to, I'm uh, so happy that I live in the states. I'm so happy that I live there right now. I'm so yeah. Glad to- it's- it's so bad. Yeah, I get four syringes every month and without insurance it would be like $15,000. Oh, God, I hate pharmaceutical companies. Wow. That's just, <laughs> that's just like wow. So, how does the CP more well, or less the CP other than like the walking stuff? Just how does it impact your just your day to day? It like I spasm a lot <laughs> and that hurts. Um, and don't they though? People don't understand. Yeah. That, that when, when you live with CP and spasms, we get them all the time, but it actually it feels like if a lightning ball went through your body, but in slow motion. So it that's at least how it goes for me. Like, yeah, like, like I had a spasm attack uh, the other day <laughs> with my right knee, and I just literally sat here with my knee just kicking out and i'm like oh my god please stop (laughs) yeah please no please yeah um so this but and so so this thought like but so then doing just your day-to-day stuff like how else does the cp play a role it has also given me a lot of chronic fatigue and brain fog because of the meds i take for it and so working i definitely work on crib time and um Sometimes I just need to flop in bed because my body hurts. Um, yeah, right. Or, yeah. And like, I'm so lucky that I'm able to work from home, even as the United States and probably most of Canada and all the rest of the world has declared the COVID pandemic over. <clears throat> it's not. Oh, I have so, I have many, many feelings about that as we record today because yeah. in Ontario, I'm recording. Um, they are, they have strongly recommended that you wear masks again. But they have not mandated that. So we're all like, all of us same people are like, so you're not really saying we should. You're just saying that you'd like it if we did. So great. Yeah. I mean, strongly recommended is better than what we've got in my state. Because my state is all willy-nilly. You can catch it. You can get vaccinated if you want. If you don't, that's fine. That's your personal responsibility. And it's a whole mess. And I'm like, I don't have a choice to being immunocompromised so i can't i can do everything i can but like if somebody infects me with covid that will kill me (laughs) and so it's a whole scary experience which i know we might get into in a minute um but it's just it's a whole i call it an abject policy failure of everything we've got going on with COVID. oh yeah it's a complete it's a complete yeah of of lack of policy, uh, yeah. lack of disabled voices being heard, lack of yeah. disabled people in power to make those changes. Because I promise you, if we had a disabled president or president with CP, I'm just going to throw it out there. If we had a president with CP or complex disabilities. I can promise you, we would not be having this these like debates on whether whether you should get vaccinated or not. Exactly. And um, a cool thing that they're doing in the United States, and I say that very, very sarcastically, is there is a bill going through our Congress 
to end the public health emergency for COVID, which would strip away all of the um, COVID protections and the payment for tests and vaccines and all of that. And so it's a whole mess. <laughs> we yeah, I saw that the other day and I was just like, I saw it on someone's Twitter and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is even yeah. happening? Like, we would not be what? having this discussion if a disabled president was, or more disabled members of Congress were existed. <laughs> like, can we get some more? Listen, if you're disabled and you want to you want to run for office and you have ideas, like it's not easy to get in there. But think about it because we need you to change the way this is going. Yeah, and what sucks because I've actually looked into running to political office because, and I mean, I can't now because I don't meet the requirements. But what really sucks is if you're running, you lose your access to social security payments, which for a lot of disabled people who are privileged enough to get on I them, didn't know that that's horrible. Yeah, I didn't, it's horrible. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. That makes me. I mean, I'm not surprised because America, but also like, what? Yeah, it's it, it's a whole mess. <laughs> it's gatekeeping. Uh, um, it sucks. Yeah, that's really really horrible. I had a question that is completely out of left field, and I'll come back to to the other stuff we want to talk about in a minute. But I know that you use they them pronouns. I use they he pronouns, and I'm wondering for you, like, does your they does using they them have any connection for you to disability? It very much does. Um, I used to use the he pronouns, but I found that I always got heed. And when I really just wanted to be gendered with they, them pronouns. And it's really a connection and a statement for me about toxic masculinity. Because the yeah, way me I was, too. That's, yeah. why I That's exactly how I feel. That's why I, I use what I use. Yeah, the way I was raised, it was very, you have to do this to be a man. And it's like some of those things that, quote unquote, make a man in some men's eyes is like, I can't attain that. And I don't want to be held to masculine standards. So I said, okay, because of my disabilities, I can't do X, Y, and Z that you say would make me a man. Um, And so I said, I don't want to be judged on those standards so fuck them and i am using they them pronouns as a matter of protest really i mean i think like are we basically the same person because (laughs) because like literally why i use they he pronouns like i i still use they he because i feel like in some situations with some you know of an older generation who don't really understand what we're doing i'm like you know what i'll just i'll put he in there so we don't have to have all debate or discussion about what i'm using i don't want to have to do that with you all the time so just for your yeah. for like for my own sanity and my own comfort like i'll just put it i'll just keep he in there so we don't have to have a whole thing but i mean i totally understand the desire to like my i used to be super i was never super like masculine but i uh-huh. used to be like yeah it's really hot i'm really attracted to that kind of guy which Truthfully, if that kind of guy walked up to me right now and was like, let's go hang out, I'd be like, sure, great. But like, I can never, I can't go to the gym five times a week. I can't lift up. I can't be this super macho aggro guy. And so my disability has allowed me to have kind of a softer, 
a softer sense of masculinity, but it's yeah. allowed me to be like, fuck yeah. you to all the systems that make me have to be this masculine dude. Yeah, exactly. And on your point about they, he pronouns, I still get misgendered constantly. And I normally like, I expect he, him pronouns from a lot of people, even though I am very clear that my pronouns are they, them. I really don't correct people mainly for safety reasons. Cause I live in Alabama and that is very, very conservative. And yeah. I would not like to get hate crimes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, none of us listening want you to get hate crimes either. So I understand why. But, but, and I also like that you have it in your, well, we both have it in our Twitter, in our, um, in our Zoom profiles right now. It's really good yeah. for me. Also, when I'm talking to you, just so that I don't do it, because sometimes I make mistakes, so that I can yeah. look over and be like, Yes, use the right pronouns. Don't use the wrong ones. It's, it's actually very helpful. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit more about that. How does your, cause for me, like, not only is it shirking masculinity, but it's also like, I get to be a different thing. I get to create my own sense of self. How does your thingness do that for you in respect to disability? It lets me express myself as me. And it's another tool that I use to, I don't know, I guess, um, fully be me because I don't like being boxed <laughs> um, in most circumstances. And so in relation to disability, it's like, okay, I have these disabilities. And then that really intersects with my queerness, like I've just discussed. And so... I guess just being able to defy the boxes and step into, I don't want to say the real me, but like the person I feel most comfortable being, being able to step into that is really empowering. And yeah, it's just another piece of who I am. I love that. And I think we found the title of this episode right there. Uh, That's pretty awesome. Love that. Um, It's, Pretty, pretty cool. So one of the things you wanted to talk about today, and then I, you wrote an article for your blog called, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully I get it right, but maybe I'll get it wrong. You could call I'm an immunocompromised teen and I'm angry. Um, yeah. And I loved it because you talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've already touched on today, a little bit about like, you know, dealing with COVID and dealing with, comorbidities and disabilities and how you're pissed off basically that the u.s is failing disabled people right now with a lot of their abject policy failure can you talk a little bit more about that article and where it came from and why you wrote it i wrote it because i needed to vent (laughs) i wrote it with no intention of it becoming what it was that's how most of my pieces either like books or blog posts or um, recorded messages. That's how most of my advocacy starts. It starts as, okay, I have a topic that I want to talk about and it's something that makes me mad or invokes some strong emotion from me. And I feel like I need to talk about it because there may be somebody out there who feels the same way. So the way I approach it is if I feel it, somebody else is probably feeling it. So I need to not really validate their feelings, but let them know they're not alone um, because that feeling of isolation is really heavy and really hard, especially in this time of 
COVID and seeing all your friends go out when, you know, going out to a birthday party could kill you or um, going into the grocery store could kill you. And it's, we've been failed by the United States government. Um, We as in disabled people, um, because they're not even recommending masks anymore. And it's just like, okay, I can do everything I can, but that doesn't, and it, it mitigates my risk of, infection, of infection, but it's like, I don't, I still don't feel like it's enough. Yeah. And it also doesn't mitigate the fear, I think. Yeah. A lot of the people still have, you know, almost three years on now of this pandemic, like three full years on of like, I could get this pandemic and you could let me die. And, and I, I could get this, this virus and you could let me die and you'd be okay with that. Like, that, yeah. that's terrifying. One of the things you alluded to, which I've, talked about on other versions of the show like like quarantine and chill but you you talked about in the article that like you know when the cdc director of the cdc said you know it's okay that it's encouraging that that only disabled people and the elderly are dying because you know everyone else is fine like when she said that i think all of us with disabilities around the world or who are watching kind of the u.s went what the fuck like do you just say that it's all right that we not like yeah and i mean (laughs) it it was it was kind of shocking but honestly i expected it with how the pandemic has been progressing um and i will acknowledge as i did in the piece that that version of the interview was cut for time and so it was kind of out of context but still even in the full context it was said still it was said yeah there's no way you can put that in context and have it be comfy for any, like any disabled person is like, well, excuse me? Like, what? Yeah. And then she was like, oh, I'm going to meet with disability leaders and I'm actually going to quote unquote listen and nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah. Like what are, yeah. Like what are we even talking about? Like, I don't, I don't get that. Um, Speaking of disability leaders, I think that you are a disability leader in the Twitter space and I want to get there because we both know that social media is dying right now, especially Twitter. And a lot of disabled people who go on Twitter to share their experiences, talk about, you know, get to, to mega, to megaphone their disabled voices out there and their disabled stories are really worried that with the acquisition of Twitter by the devil himself, Elon Musk, I'll just say it straight out. Um, you know, we're going to lose mm-hmm. a really important piece of disability history and disability, like, voices. And how do you feel about that? So I started my Twitter advocacy journey in 2018. And ever since then, I have been a fervent advocate on Twitter because that is the platform that lets me get the most reach in the most accessible format. And yep to know that at any moment the site could crash or we could switch to a paywall model and not be able to tweet unless we pay $8 a month, which why $8? Uh, I would just like, which I would just like something like, you know, almost 500 a year or some like crazy number that disabled folks can't afford. Yeah. And it, it's just like, I am, very, very angry at the elongated muskrat, as I call him. Uh, I like that. 
<laughs> that uh, because he didn't have to do this. He was knee deep in a uh, trial to drop Twitter, and it would have cost him less. And he's actively oh, losing money, and what he's the, the like screaming you, at people. You ridiculous! Like, and then you know what? You know, it's so funny that we're recording today because last night or two days ago or something, he put a thing on Twitter that was like. In order to make Twitter 2.0 the best or whatever, you all have to work like super long hours and you all have to work like super intense and you have to be there. And if you're not there and you don't commit to this, I'm going to, we're going to give you a severance package. And it's like, how fucking ableist can you be, Elon Musk? Exactly. Disabled people. What if you have disabled employees there who want to make Twitter better? And you've just told them that the new policy is ableist and you basically fired them. Well, he's already fired them. He fired the entire Twitter accessibility team on the first day of um, layoffs. And so the Twitter accessibility account is dead and um, pretty much all of, well, the features are still there, but they are clearly deprioritized and uh, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, I've tried, I'm on Mastodon or whatever the new one is. And I don't love it. I'm trying really hard to get into it and trying to do more stuff on there, but I, I don't like it. And so I'm not a fan. Like Twitter is clear. Twitter, you can take screenshots and post them everywhere else. And it's people know what you're doing when you do that. And like, you can't really do that elsewhere. Yeah. And Mastodon is incredibly inaccessible to me and also raises extreme privacy concerns for me because if you like DM on Mastodon, uh, in most cases, the server owner or instance, I think they call them, uh, can like actually see your DMs and it's not like end to end encrypted. And there's oh, a whole no, bunch of, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's well, a whole bunch of safety concerns there. Well, it's a good thing that I only made one Mastodon. They call them toots, which is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure. Why? What? Why? 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 It's so weird. I don't know. Um, and I'm gonna backtrack and say I shouldn't have used the word stupid. I'll use a different word. It's very silly that they use toot as their tweet language. Weird. Um, so how do you think that we as disabled activists on those platforms can, how do we find a different place? How do we continue the activism digitally without Twitter? That is a really good question that I'm still working through myself. Um, I have, at least for me, archived all of my Twitter threads onto my blog. Um, and do that. That's a good idea. Yeah, and I've set up contact forms through my blog, and I'm reaching out to all of my like close contacts and mutuals on Twitter and getting like external um, contact information, like phone numbers and email addresses. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's like I don't know where we go from here. Um, no, Instagram. I'm, I'm really worried that I, I'm Instagram is horrible. It's Instagram worst. is horrible. It's it's very inaccessible, and image descriptions are not where they need to be. Facebook is old school and Facebook not is basically Instagram, but yeah, less photos. Yeah, and it's just like Twitter was the place I got my start. Yeah, and so knowing that that could possibly be stripped away at any second is scary and honestly enraging because this should not have happened. 
<laughs> no, really, like Elon Musk grad, like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> what a ridiculous human. Um, so I also know you're an author. Um, and we talked last time a little bit about some of the work you've done there, but can you, last time, but which no one heard except for me, but so, so for the first time on the show, can you, uh, <laughs> share with us some of the work you've done as an author and some of the stuff you're working on? Yeah. So I've written two books. I'm currently on a bit of a hiatus. I have a book in the works that I haven't touched in a while because school and work and everything. Also, but... you're, you're 18. So like, yeah. What? You're 18. You're 18. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but I have written two. The first one is kind of a young adult uh, best friend betrayal spy thriller. Um, Ooh. Yeah. It, it's really cool. And it has a little bit of gayness, which I loved being able to slip in and take to my what local is library. A, what, what is a little bit of gayness for you? What, what, what do you what's that? There is a fully fledged gay relationship between two coworkers that is really sweet and awesome. And yeah, um, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad I was able to slip that in there and actually get it on the shelves in my local library. They didn't turn it away, which was cool. Amazing. That is cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was really invigorating to write. I wrote it when I was like 14, 15, never really intended to publish it but then I started writing my second book and said okay I really want this one to do well so I went ahead and published uh, edited through with my amazing editor who I also met on Twitter she's awesome we both work on Crip Time and it's great see Twitter see yeah. disability see see <laughs> Yeah, Elon, if you're listening which I know you're not because you don't give a shit about anything I do but if you listen to this please don't get rid of it like I one of the things that makes gives me hope about Twitter is that all of us can find each other. We're not decentralized into servers or whatever. We can all find each other. It's really easy to do a tweet. No, yeah. Twitter. Twitter has also been a hellfire of problems for a lot of other stuff, and I have many issues with it. But like, at least it's there, and it was exactly. there. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to lose that. I don't yeah. want to lose that. Yeah, me either. And so, it, yeah, the whole Twitter thing is bleh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we edited it up and got it out. Um, actually, December 18th, 2020, so a few days after this episode will come out. So, yeah, um, I may run a promotion, but I don't know yet. What did I do? Yeah, uh, it came out, yeah, it came out December 18th, 2020, and I normally do, like, a promotion um, every... Oh every year uh because it's the book oh, anniversary well then, well, then we, well then on december 18th i'll do a tweet that's promoting it but that's great yeah um but the second book was really where i got into my element um and i'm really proud of it although it admittedly is not great because we worked on a very very limited editing timeline we edited the whole thing all hundred and all 200 I think it's like 250 pages we edited all 250 pages in like a month and a half (laughs) because I it took a while to like actually finish because with ending books it's very very bittersweet and with this one it was my baby my characters were my baby because they embodied me and um are uh, a lot of your characters in the books disabled? Um, 
this new one, yes, both of the well, one of the main pro- uh, protagonists is, um, and he has an able-bodied best friend um, who is don't we know. <laughs> um who's gayish but doesn't really put a label on it because um he has like a secret crush they both have secret crushes on each other you're basically writing me yeah hi (laughs) they both have i'm I'm the problem it's me hi that's hi yes (laughs) um but yeah they both have secret crushes on each other and um the able-bodied one kind of takes like a caregiver-ish role but not really um, and so it's really cool to just watch their relationship develop. And it was really cool to write their relationship development because it was all I wanted in a partner. And luckily enough, um, shortly before I published the book, I found that partner and we're still together a year and a half later, actually. Oh, yay. yesterday. Congratulations. Yeah. Just yesterday, we celebrated a year and a half, um, which yeah they're awesome and i love them that's and, cool yeah tell me a little bit about tell me a little bit of what like tell me as much as you want to share about like are they able-bodied uh they're able-bodied but disabled like um intell- uh, not intellectually disabled um they are um neurodivergent Invisible. um yeah and cool. they also have chronic fatigue and so it's really cool to be with them because we both know how disability works and it uh, impacts yeah. both of us and we've kind of developed systems to make sure that we don't have chronic fatigue crashes as often and that we are both just looking out for each other and it it's amazing and I I love them so much and last Uh-oh. month I actually got to see them in person for the first time and that was that was great oh yay that's so awesome that's really cool um can we give them a shout out or do you not want to uh ace i love you so much (laughs) and yeah you had so excited right there it was normal that was yeah also 18 year old me is jealous and 38 year old me is jealous because in my experience boys are trash um uh yeah and she and they are they're they're amazing and i love them so much and i can't wait to spend my life with them and ah! oh yay <laughs> yeah. i love i love <laughs> i love that you're, you have that like unbridled joy that makes me very happy also yeah it's really cool that you're with somebody who um who is disabled like well not like you but similarly to you and yeah. if they ever want to come on the show and talk about their experience the door's open. Yeah. Um, so you said at the beginning something that made me feel very warm and fuzzy was that you're, I am someone that you looked up to. So I wanted to give you the chance to just ask me some shit. Talk, ask me some stuff about disability that maybe you wanted to ask or if you had any questions. Yeah. So a big thing that I've always wondered is like, how do you do it? <laughs> uh, because you're such an adamant advocate. And I don't know if you really recognize that because I know it takes me a while to recognize that the advocacy work that I do is a lot and it takes a lot of energy and it really 
helps lift people up. And so I just wonder like how you manage that and what a typical day looks like for you in terms of, okay, I'm going to get up and then do X, Y, and Z when it comes to advocacy. And yeah, I'm just curious about how you structure everything because I mean, you, it's, you do a really it, good job. <laughs> it's really, well, thank you. It's really not very structured. Like it's structured if I have meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if I have things where I have to be on camera, then, and then of course I structure it, but it was just me doing the activism on Twitter, doing the activism through like the, the internet. A lot of it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I have a, th- thought i'm gonna put it out there and hope that it lands i know I, yeah. i'm gonna it's very a lot of my stuff is very unfiltered and uncurated and on any of that stuff because i think when we do disability activism a lot of the activism is like one message one story one one discussion of like disabled people belong which is which is a, of course the truth but like i like to go deeper into how does it feel? And I like to yeah. share what I'm feeling. And so I try not to structure it too, too much. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. that takes away a little bit of the authenticity from what I'm doing. Um, but it is, it does take a shit ton of energy. And so, but even before you and I got on, got on for this recording today, I spent like an hour just hanging out, watching TV, like getting into the day and being like, okay, here you are in this disabled body now. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And that's kind of how I structure my tweets, um, which is cool to know that we have that similarity. But also, it's just like, you have a lot of reach. (laughs) Um, And I know I don't have very, like, not a lot less than you do. But like, I just look at your Twitter and I'm like, okay, cool. I wish I could achieve that. Um, and you'll I get there. Never... You'll get there. And also, like, <laughs> yeah, don't wish, don't wish too hard because then you're gonna get it and be like, oh no, everything I say is being scrutinized. Oh dear. yeah, like... yeah. And I kind of want to talk about that too because we talked, we touched on a little earlier, um, worrying that a tweet is not gonna land or you're gonna get hate for what you consider to be a regular opinion. And I've gotten that too, and it it's. It's really tricky, and so I want to know how you manage it. The block button is my best friend when it comes to bigoted people and stuff, but it's like... I don't... You know what? It's funny. It's not even... For me, it's not even bigoted people. It's people uh-huh. and I, I'm realizing that our community, our disability community, that we talk about so much, and we say the words disabled community every other fucking second of our day, but like, yeah. what I'm realizing is that we're so fractured. We need to... exactly. I believe that we need to come together more and we're yeah. not doing that. And it's really frustrating to have an opinion that you think it like, like for instance, a few weeks ago, maybe two months ago or something, I put out a tweet that was like, sometimes I think disability is a gift. And I made a joke like, you know, sometimes it's a gift that I want to return, but I think uh, yeah. it's a gift. And so I made that tweet and I thought nothing of it. And I put it out and I, uh-huh. I cannot tell you the amount of oh my god how dare you say that blah 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 and I was like what did I say like I, what and it was so people were so upset by it because how dare you say my disability is a gift how dare you talk about this and I I understood why but I had to take down the tweet and issue like a public sorry I said that even though I didn't necessarily believe that I was like okay I'll I'll issue a thing but like why why can't we disagree but also still love each other 
exactly. And that's a huge part of it. It's like you almost have to do reputation management and like public relations when it comes to. Oh, yeah. You have to yeah. be your own brand manager. You have to do all that stuff. Exactly. Oh, so careful how it's done. Yeah. And it's like I've built myself a personal brand based off of my advocacy and the work that I'm doing and my authorship and all of that. And it's like, that is a whole other component because you're a disability advocate, but also you're kind also, of a personal a person. brand. Yeah. You're a yeah. disability advocate. You're al- you're almost a personal brand. And underneath all of that, you're a person. And yeah. for me, the question kind of becomes, how much do I let my person through rather than... I w- being my personal brand i would say let your person through more be yeah be mindful of the tweets obviously don't be like a like a straight up bigoted person and yeah i'm not worried about it at all but like obviously be yourself but be mindful of where it's going and that the public are going to disagree with you on certain things and but i would say let more of your person out because what we in the disability need more in the disability community need more i think is that rawness? And we don't have yeah. that right now. It's yeah. very, a lot of our disability tweets are curated or disability Instagram or TikToks are curated to be like, disabled people need this and ableists are the worst and blah, blah. all that's important. But yeah, underneath all that, I want to know what people are feeling. That's And that's the kind of work that I do is like, how do I tap into what I'm feeling and put that in a tweet? Yeah, exactly. And I started out doing that and... I really want to return to that, but there's always the concern of, okay, I'm a bigger account now. So if I say something and it doesn't land, how is my rejection sensitivity is for you going to fare? Yeah. 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 Oh no. I, I know that. I know that game quite well. And I'm yeah. starting to just like, I don't, I put my stuff out, but then uh-huh. I don't look at it. I don't look at it. I don't look at the numbers. I don't look at the comments. I don't look at it. I try not to look at it. I put it out. And if somebody really doesn't like me, email me and tell me why. And we'll talk about it. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to be beholden to the Twitter gods about something I said. And if it was really offensive, then I'll take the tweet down and apologize. But like, I think the disability community has to reconcile with the fact that it has so much anger and so much misplaced anger that I think we're eating ourselves alive sometimes. And it's really frustrating. Yeah, it is really frustrating. And trying for me trying to find ways to say things that both resonate with the disability community and also a majority of my other followers uh, who are able-bodied and like in quote unquote special education or government or um, just trying to find that balance of, okay, this is an experience that I'm having as a disabled person that I want other disabled people to know exists and is a problem and really sucks, but also telling the able-bodied people, hey, this is a problem and it sucks. And I know your instinct is going to be to tell me to get well soon, but I'm not getting well anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Or... Your yeah. instinct as a disabled person is to be like, if disabled people read the tweet and they don't agree, a lot of them will say like, well, it didn't happen to me. So it's like, well, well yeah. But are you listening? It happened to Derek. So are you listening to Derek? Because Derek said yeah. it happened to Derek. 
Like, so a lot of my tweets now, what I do, what I try to do is I try to say, I feel like this. I try not to say the whole disabled community feels like this because then I get attacked. So if I just say, yeah. I feel this way, then they start to listen more a little bit. I, I put it on myself and I talk about my feelings as opposed yeah. to everyone else. Because I think when you become a disability advocate, everybody expects you to advocate for the whole community. And sometimes you can't do that. And when you yeah. try to do that, as I've tried to do in my past activism, it doesn't work. People don't yeah. explain very well. So I have started to not worry about the numbers, not worry about the reach. I just say what I say. And mm-hmm. if I fuck up, then I'll fix it. Yeah. And I, w- I would say you should do the same. Yeah. And that's a really good approach that, yeah, I think I'm going to start doing. <laughs> Totally. Did you have any any uh, other burning mentory questions for me? I think that's all of them. Awesome. Cool. Um, it was so fun to sit down with you and just have a chat today. Yeah. And just be. Oh yeah. One thing I, I didn't want to ask you about. So as you as you like when you go into queer spaces mm-hmm. as a disabled person, if you do, I mean you're 18 so maybe you don't go into like all the queer spaces yet but as you start to like think about going into queer spaces when you go up to college next year i'm sure you'll have more opportunities to do that are you worried about having to come out as disabled all the time how did i am openly disabled so coming out as disabled is not something that i particularly do Unless I need like accommodations and whatnot. And then that's a very cut and dry. Okay. I'm disabled. This is X, Y, and Z. And this is how this needs to work and how I need to be accommodated. Um, But in terms of going into queer spaces, um, obviously they're going to have to be accessible and COVID compliant uh, because again, I cannot get COVID. Um, But just, I guess, what I'm really trying to do is find my people. Um, And it's really hard to do that one in an area where there's not very many queer spaces, but also in the online areas where the queer community is so diverse and so split off. Um, Like some people won't even use the word queer. And I'm like, that is my identity. I'm reclaiming it. Um, But it's just, finding. Let me tell you, let me tell you about (laughs) trying to use the word, let me tell you about trying to use the word cripple. In uh, oh my goodness people have, i love the word cripple people have so many feelings when i use the word cripple and i'm like no no but you're not listening i'm claiming it for me not saying yeah. you have to use it. i'm claiming it for me yeah exactly like i am very clearly a cripple like call me yeah. that <laughs> call me to say yeah, well, like, call me a cripple call me what it is yeah, exactly. And I hate when people sugarcoat things and call me special needs or I, I just. Oh, you uh, call me special needs, but I'll tell you, thank you, but it's actually disabled. Yeah, exactly. And trying to redirect things like that. What I always say is if you have a question, I can tell you have a question. Ask me the question. And if it's wrong or if it's phrased badly, I will take it into and turn it into a teachable moment if I have the energy. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's what I've always done. To, if I have the energy, like I, I, mm-hmm. and I love teaching and I love using my platform to teach. And I think, you know, when you talked a second ago about, you asked me like, how do you 
change the platform? How do you like it? use all those platforms to do your work? I, I, I am comfortable doing teachable moments. And so maybe you should like try turning your Twitter into more of the, that kind of stuff. That way yeah. it's not necessarily you. It's you saying, I want to share some knowledge and that's all I'm going to do today. And yeah. I'm not going to have a personal opinion necessarily. I'm going to share knowledge and hope that it resonates with you. Yeah. And that's a really key thing to do, especially considering my audience does have a lot of non-disabled people sharing the knowledge of, Hey, this is a program that's kind of ableist. So here you go. Or, Hey, this is a law that we need passed. So here you go. Or this is just some plain and dry history of how the word disabled was used. Um, and like some of the ableist, um, standards back then. And just going into that is pretty cool because really I'm an advocate, but also I am, I've always been an educator. And so yeah, me too. really playing into that is something that I want to do more of. And I think as you get older and you hone your activism skill, you'll find that letting people have that educational moment without shaming them. I think the internet and Twitter especially is a great place to be like, you're an ableist, fuck off, you're an ableist. But like, I'm like, yeah, you can do that. And all, all the more power to you. But also like, I'd rather teach you. Yeah. You. Yeah. I'd rather teach you so you don't mistreat another disabled person. Yeah. So you don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think as you, when you become an old man like me or an old person like me, rather, uh, the, um, your activism will have a, will change shape because mine certainly has. And I, like Again, I, I say you're that, not that I, old. I'm so old. I'm old. Um, well, like when you were born, I was. <laughs> oh no! When you were born, I was starting college. Rose, but you're not that old. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. What year were you? You were born in 2004. Yeah. Oh no! I was definitely my first year in college. Yeah, I'm an old person. Old. Uh, You're not that old. Old. Um, Derek Schmidt, I just didn't talk to you all day, but this is such a great conversation. Um, I want to make sure that all the people know where to get a hold of you. How do they do that? Yeah, so you can uh, shoot me an email to hello uh, at Derek Schmitz, D-E-R-E-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z dot com. Follow me on Twitter at Derek I Schmitz. Um, again, that's D E R E K I S C H M I T Z. Or check out my website at DerekSchmitz.com. D E R E K S C H M I T Z dot com. Awesome. And do you have any final words for the people? Be good people. Um, and I know we're mainly talking to the disability community, but. Oh, no, we're talking to people without disabilities that I know listen here. So talk to all the people. Yeah. So talking to all the people, be good people and keep wearing your masks and taking COVID precautions and hold some space in your heart for disabled people around you and disabled people you may know or people who are disabled who you may not know and listen to us. We We know our bodies best. We know our needs best. And so when we tell you we need something or when we tell you this is how you can be a better ally, we need you to follow through on that. And so 
because really abled allies and disabled allies alike are how we get things done. So coming together in partnership is really important to me. And I hope some people listening to this, this resonated with, and that we can talk more and help the world become more accessible. Derek Schmidt, this is such a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And I will yeah. talk to you very soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Wasn't that an amazing interview? I had so much fun doing it. And I want to thank Derek for their time and for their energy and for being so cool and just really, really awesome to speak to. Um, it was, I really, really appreciated some of the stuff they had to say. They were so poignant and articulate for a, for a young disabled person. Um, and they, they know what their goals are. And I just think that people like Derek are the future of disability. And I'm so excited for them to embark on that future. Okay. So that's the episode. And thank you so much for listening. I wanted to just put a little, prompt out to you listening. I want to do some more standalone episodes of Disability After Dark where I am just sitting and getting comfy, cozy, and crippled with you and talking about my life and talking about disability. And I wanted to know what are some things you want to hear on the show? What are some episodes that you want me to talk about that I haven't talked about yet? Some topics that you think are important that would that would really elevate the listenership of the show. I love doing it, but I want to make sure I'm doing stuff for you, the listener, um, and stuff that is exciting and important to you. So send me an email at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at andrewgrizzo.com and let me know kind of what kind of show you want to listen to because I want to put some standalone episodes um, for the new year. So let's, uh, let's get some ideas rolling around. And if you want to be a guest... Email me those places as well. Let me know you want to be a guest, and I'd love to have you. Your episode might not come out for a while because I work on trip time, but I'd love to have you anyway. So uh, let's, um, oh yeah, and then of course with Popcorn and Power Chairs, let me know what movies you want me to review. Let me know what media you'd like me to think about for that show. So, so many things that I would love for you to write in about. I appreciate it. And now we're going to get to the outro, and um... Thanks for listening, because the next episode is slated to, was supposed to be December 25th, and because it's a holiday, we're going to come back on January the 8th is our next episode that we'll be airing. So, have a good holiday, have a good new year, I love you all, thank you for being a part of this show, thank you, thank you. Bye! Alright friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I was, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and shining a bright light on disability stories with me. If you want to follow all my work and see all my links and all the cool stuff I'm doing, you can head over to my new website, aagerza.com. And all my stuff is there. My social links are there. My website is there. My podcast is there. Everything is there. And you can follow along with the show that way. If you want to leave a review for the show, please do so wherever you get your podcast. It really does help keep the bright lights shining on this show. If you want to support the show financially and get the show one day early, completely ad-free, as well as a shout-out on the air, consider 
pledging as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more by going to patreon.com slash disability after dark. Stay comfy, cozy, and crippled, and we'll shine a bright light on disability stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Cripple & Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.